The Invincible Teams podcast is powered by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork, training, and consulting to help your team thrive in every season. If you want to have a team that makes other leaders jealous, get started by going to their website in the show notes and scheduling your free consultation today. Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Do you have the attributes to thrive in your business? Does your team have the attributes they need to excel at what they do? We're not talking about skills or personality here. We're talking about the defining core attributes that are usually exhibited under extreme pressure and stress, the exact moment that many teams fall apart. Rich Devaney is a retired Navy SEAL who has a new book called The Attributes. While training the most elite special forces units that the U.S. has to offer, Rich discovered that elite teams need to be held together by more than just skills. They need the attributes. In our conversation, Rich shares about what attributes he's discovered, what they are, and how they are necessary for every great team. It's one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. Here's my conversation with Rich Devinney. All right, Rich Devinney, good morning. How are you? Morning. Thanks, Ryan, for having me. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, you are uh, an exciting guest for me, and um, you know we're going to talk about your book that you have coming out soon. And uh, just getting to read the first um, few chapters of that is, I would say, one of the most engaging things that I have read in a long time. I meant to skim the first couple chapters, and I wasn't able to because I had to finish the stories that you were talking about. Well, thank but, you. Um, but before we jump into that, why don't you introduce yourself to people here? Tell us a bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Well, uh, I am an author now, but uh, where do I come from? I, um, you know, I spent, so I'm obviously Rich Divinity, but I spent um, about just under 21 years in the Navy SEAL team. So I joined up, I mean, I, I went to college, graduated in 96. I went uh, and went through Navy ROTC and uh, went straight to SEAL training and, you know, spent my career as a Navy SEAL. So obviously the years from 96 through 2017 when I retired were fairly kinetic. I think we can all agree. And uh, so <laughs> so we really kind of, I was able to um, experience a lot of what the special operations community has to offer. And um, during that time frame, I, I served several roles, but one of the roles I served was as the training officer for one of our more uh, specialized commands. And um, and I was running tr assessment selection and training. So we were bringing guys in to uh, screen and assess and put through our pipeline for this specialized command. And this is where really where I started thinking about the the, the content and the thesis of the book, uh, which I know we'll get into, but um, uh, but retired in, in 2017 and went to work for a company out of St. Louis, uh, taught leadership and things like that. It was really kind of getting my feet wet in the public speaking and teaching realm and um, and then did that for about a year and then just kind of uh, moved out to be an independent contractor. So I still worked for them. I worked with my buddy, Simon Sinek, uh, who wrote the book Start With Why, mm -hmm. uh, do some work with him and then uh, just started putting pen to paper. <laughs> And here yeah. we are now with the book published. And so 
uh, just getting the book out and talking about it and excited to have people read about these concepts. Yeah, well, it's it's all really fascinating and I think uh, useful stuff. Uh, your story, though, is really interesting as well. Was that a was that a hard shift going from the special ops world to, like you said, public speaking and and um, what was that like? Well, it was hard in certain in, the, in certain cases, right? I was after you spend that long um, in the military. I don't care what you do in the military, uh, and you deploy as many times as I did. And of course, I'm married and I have, I have kids. Um, it was it was it was good for me to get off the roller coaster and um, and try something new. So that was not hard. Obviously, I'm you know my, it, it was always fun to be around my teammates and things like that, but. Um, uh, but I knew it was time, and hmm. um, and so that was easy. The shift to public speaking was definitely uh, a case of me kind of walking out to one of my edges because I didn't like, you know, I felt uncomfortable in front of people and public speaking and teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I knew that I needed to do that deliberately, uh, almost like I, you know, kind of going to SEAL training in the first place. Just I, I, I'm a big believer in consistently finding your edges and stepping out to them, which means basically stepping out outside your comfort zone and just exploring your potential. So, so it was certainly a shift. I kind of had to get used to that and, and, um, get better and better and, um, grow to, I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I love it, but I certainly, I certainly, I'm okay with it. I like it to a certain degree. Um, so that was a shift. And then I, you know, I love writing. Um, so I think the process of writing, I found pretty enjoyable to be honest with you, uh, because I just, I thought, it was fun to try to get some ideas on paper. And then what I found while I was writing was, uh, was as you write and as you kind of get ideas out of your head and onto the paper, new ideas pop in. It's almost like you're creating mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. <laughs> because you mm-hmm. get those ones out of your, out of your head. So, um, and then you're kind of, it forces you to, to kind of go into depth and explore some of the things you've been thinking about into in more depth, which is where some of the stories came out and I could get really kind of into the weeds on some of the stuff. So that was, that was highly enjoyable. So it's, um, it's been a it's been a uh, interesting transition, largely positive, uh, but not without its challenges and and um, and struggles. But that's how it's supposed to be, right? It can't all be you know, it can't all be unicorns and roses. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, so the book is called The Attributes, and I just want to ask first, why did you write this book? Well, I had been thinking, like I said, I've been thinking about this concept for, for a decade plus. Uh, and and when I got out and I started talking about leadership, I was talking about leadership, but also high performing teams. So I, I mm-hmm. talk about leadership on one, one aspect, but also give talks and, and some, some training on what makes up high performing teams. And so, uh, you know, it was quite often that companies and organizations would come and they'd tell me, you know, we've, we've put together this dream team of people, or we put together this dream team of people, best, uh, best, best salesperson, best marketing mm-hmm. person, best graphics designer, whatever uh, it is. And um, it was all great uh, while everything was going great. And then as soon as, as soon as kind of a, a, a roadblock hit us or, uh, you know, things went south or sideways, um, the team almost dissolved. It was almost dissolved into toxicity and no one kind of knew, you know, it was, it was just, it was bizarre how the dream team didn't perform like we expected it would, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it was almost, um, almost intuitive to me at that point to say, well, I think it's because you, you picked your team based on the wrong things. You picked the Mm -hmm. team based on skills versus attributes. Um, and so this idea of skills, I mean, skills are, Skills are things we learn. They're not inherent to our nature. We learn them. We pick them up. We, we can be taught them. We can sit in a classroom and learn them, riding a bike, throwing a ball. Um, and, uh, and as such, they direct our behavior in known environments. So here's how, to, here's how and when to ride a bike or here's how and when to throw a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that means that they are very easy to see, assess, and measure because they're very visible. We can see how well anybody does any right. one of those things, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what they don't tell us is how we're going to operate in uncertainty, challenge, and stress. Because in uncertainty, challenge, and stress, when the environment becomes unknown um, mm -hmm. and we have to figure it out, it's very difficult to apply a known skill to an unknown environment. So this is where we lean our on our attributes. Our attributes are, are inherent to our nature, right? We're, we're all born with levels of adaptability and patience and, and, uh, and situational awareness, for example. Um, we can mm -hmm. see that in small kids. Attributes also, they, they inform the way we show up to a situation. So my level of adaptability and resilience, for example, informed the way I showed up when I was learning how to ride a bike and I was falling off a dozen times. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they inform our behavior. And, um, and as such, they're, they're tough to, uh, they're tough to see. They're tough to, they're kind of hidden in the background. Right. You know, you yeah. can't immediately see how patient someone is. You can't immediately see how adaptable someone is. Mm -hmm. The best and the most visible and visceral environments inside of which we can see this are environments of challenge, uncertainty, and stress. And this is what mm -hmm. I realized because when I was running SEAL training, and regardless if it's the basic SEAL training or the SEAL training I was running, it's all about throwing guys into deep, deep challenge, uncertainty, and stress and mm -hmm. seeing what bubbles up. Um, and so I realized that I had something here that was uh, able to be exported and could be taught and talked to uh, with about uh, with with certainly with businesses and teams, but also just individuals. If we want to, as an individual, understand how and why we behave the way we do, it's incumbent on us to look at our attributes first because those are fairly elemental. Yeah. Well, let's define some terms here, and I know you do this in the book, but let's talk about uh, you know you said skills and how mm -hmm. those are different than attributes, but you're also talking about personality, right? So so tell us about the difference between skills attributes and personality yeah um well so skills again like i said they are things we learn okay they're they're very they're tacit kind of um or or, or kind of um tangible things we we use um whether it be riding a bike or, or throwing a football right um attributes are elemental they're innate qualities um our levels we're all born with levels of of you know of discipline or empathy or things like that. Personality is almost a combination of a bunch of things. Personality is, is all those things combined that make you, you. And, um, and it, it adds into the equation a little bit of skill, but certainly some values are added in there. I think some beliefs are added into a personality. Environment shapes a personality genetics. Uh, so, so I think it's a combination of all this stuff. And I think the, the, the way, the best way to kind of think about it would be that you can see attributes, you can see a small child's level of patience or discipline. You really can. Like it shows up that early. Mm -hmm. Personalities take a few years to develop, you know, and right. so, and it's because you're adding on all these things. So, so personality certainly matters, but I would, I would classify personality as kind of almost a, a bubble inside of which all these things are thrown. Um, and mm -hmm. I'm really, I've always been more fascinated with kind of the elemental us, right? Because, because honestly, when, when we are in real, and this is like kind of what I learned in SEAL training, when we're, we're, we're really in deep challenge and deep stress and deep, deep uncertainty, it's really, we're falling back on our very basic us, you know, personality sometimes doesn't really fall in that equation, whether or not you're, right you know, jovial, uh, you know, or, uh, or, you know, kind of a jerk. Um, it's really all about us, you know, and, yeah. um, and that's really why I kind of wanted to dig into a little bit more of an elemental level. Right. No, that makes total sense. It's, it's kind of like the analogy of, you know, heating up 
something, right? Like bringing out the dross from metal yeah. or, you know, seeing what something's really made of, right? right. And that only happens right. under under extreme pressure and, and heat and intensity. So that makes total sense to me. Um, well, I want to go into that first little bit of the book. You start off with these three really engaging uh, stories that I was kind of alluding to earlier. But the point that you get to is a quote that I really liked. And it, it said, in extreme situations, how you perform is much less about what you know than about who you are. Um, is that kind of the summary statement for this whole book? Yes, I would say it's certainly it's certainly one of them um, because again, my my goal for the book is for the reader to start to understand their own engine. You know, we're all so we're all human. We all come with it. We all show up with the same physiology. You know, in general, generally speaking, we're 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 different in our uh, in our genetics and uh, and environments and things like that. Um, we all have all of these attributes. All, every human being has mm. levels of resilience and courage, for example, or humility and discipline or self-efficacy. Every human being has that. The difference in each of us are the levels to which we have each, right? So, so for mm. example, um, uh, you and I, you know, you, you may be, um, you may be level eight on the resiliency scale out of 10, you know, um, mm. and I may be level four, who knows, you know, um, so, so I have a I, feeling you might have those numbers switched. <laughs> maybe they're reversed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the, here's the good news is there's no judgment there, right? It's, it's, it's just who it's how we are and who it's who we are and how we show up. Right. So the idea is we don't judge our position on these attributes. Um, we can, we can develop them if we want, but really those levels start to speak to how we show up, um, mm. in, in all environments, but, but especially in extreme situations. And so, mm -hmm. so I, the reason why I, I kind of use that, uh, that, quote or that sentence is because when I thought about SEAL training, I mean, SEAL training is designed, I always joke, um, you know, when you're going through basic SEAL training, you, you, you spend hundreds of hours running with boats on your heads, with, you, you're PTing with 300 pound telephone poles on your shoulder mm -hmm. and running around with these things. You're freezing in the surf zone. And I always, I always say, you know, I spent almost 21 years in the SEAL teams. I did hundreds of combat missions. I did thousands of training evolutions. Never on any one of those did I carry a boat on my head or a telephone pole <laughs> on my shoulder, right? Um, so so that what they were doing um, in that training was not training us to be Navy SEALs. What they were doing was they were trying to tease out the elemental us. Like, how do mm. we show up when things are really, really bad and they suck and you don't know if you go on, right? That's, yeah. where, you, that's where these attributes start to show up, I mean, in total, right? Um, because... Mm. Because, yeah, I mean, there's not much skill involved in carrying a telephone pole or freezing in the surf zone, but the attributes start to show up. So I think that matters. If we want to understand how we behave in some of our most extreme environments, whether we've been through those already as, as, as individuals or there's stuff coming. I mean, I guess 2020 was a pretty extreme for all of us. 2020 is a great example of all of us leaning on our attributes. We all got mm -hmm. thrown into this new world almost overnight where everything was different. We didn't know what was going on. We weren't, sh we weren't sure about anything. Very few of us had any skills upon which we could lean on the morning right. we woke up in quarantine, right? We were all leaning on our attributes. We were all leaning on our ability to kind of figure out the environment, whether it be mental mm -hmm. acuity or our adaptability um, or our cards to step into these first responders, stepping into their fear because now they have to take care of people. So, so this is what uh, extreme environments do for us. And I think the book, I, I hope that the reader will have a better sense of 
how they show up and how they behave. And of course it can be applied to teams as well. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go there. Let's uh, turn the corner a bit here and talk about that. Why should a team leader or a business owner um, care about the attributes? Well, because uh, no plan ever survives first contact with the enemy. <laughs> that's a, that's a military safe. Uh, Mike Tyson once said it. No, you know, uh, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face for the first time. Right. So, um, Teams have to understand that nothing's ever going to go the way you plan it to, to go, right? So, mm-hmm. and skills are perfect if things go perfectly. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, kind of besmirch skills. We we all need skills; they're very important, right? They're 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 a crucial part of the equation. People have to know how to do what they need to do. But um, when things go south and sideways, when things go, don't go as planned, we need to understand how we're all as a team going to show up. And the thing about teams is that you have now a group of people, so you can actually have varying levels of each attribute as long as you mesh together uh, as a team. You can lean on each other. And so um, so when it comes to teams, I would say, and I talk about this idea that that kind of is is the way I would describe the task organization of, say, a SEAL team or really any high-performing team, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's what I call dynamic subordination. Dynamic subordination is, an, is the idea that um, a team understands that challenges, problems, and issues can come from any angle at any moment, right? And when they do, the person who is closest to the problem and the most capable immediately steps up and takes lead. And everybody follows, all right? It's a dynamic swap between leader and follower relationship, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, in the SEAL team, right? Yes, I was the officer in charge on, a lo- on, on all of our missions, right? Sometimes I was in support of the sniper because he was in the lead. Sometimes I was in support of the breacher. Sometimes they needed me to be in charge because I was, I was coordinating things, right? But it mm-hmm. happens almost without thinking. It happens that rapidly. Um, that can only occur when the team has an understanding of everything they bring to the table, both skills and attributes, but especially attributes. Because if I know that, that, you know, person A is highly, highly adaptable, then I know person A will step up in a situation that requires that first. And we'll all take, we'll all follow. And that's what, that's the the most powerful teams, the most dynamic teams and the most high performing teams dynamically subordinate all the time. And they do so by understanding uh, attributes and skills. So that makes a lot of sense to me when you're talking about, yeah, like a, a SEAL team or something like that, and maybe putting you on the spot here, but what does that look like practically for, you know, a, a business or some corporate team? How would they change roles that rapidly? What would that look like? Well, it's, um, let me give you an example that we, we can all relate to. Um, so the captain of an airline, uh, an, uh, an airliner, right, um, is without a doubt the person in charge, right? He or she is, is the top of the, ch- the food chain w- uh, mm-hmm. when that plane is flying. Um, if that plane is, is taxing out to the, to the runway for takeoff and the captain gets a call from the maintenance officer and the maintenance officer says, hey, you need to turn the plane around. I found a problem. No captain worth their wings is going to ignore that, right? They are going mm-hmm. to subordinate immediately to that maintenance officer, right? And mm-hmm. they're going to turn the plane around and they're going to go back to the gate, right? Now they go back to the gate. They realize, okay, we have to deplane the we have to get all the passengers off because we've got to fix this plane, right? The captain doesn't take charge of that either. The flight attendant does. The captain mm-hmm. immediately subordinates to the flight attendant because the flight attendant is the expert that's needed in the moment, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's, so that's a it's, a, it's a dynamic subordination just inside of a small um, kind of aircraft. Um, in a business sense, I mean, again, it's very subjective because I don't, and because I don't know business teams, I'd have to say, well, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this who has a business team could say, oh, yeah, okay, gosh, when when um, when the program needs to be, 
you know, fixed right away, my lead programmer is going to go do it, regardless mm. of who's in charge based on hierarchy, right? right. And that need, that takes trust and it takes, um, it takes vulnerability in, in the sense that every team member is showing both their strengths and their weaknesses. They're being transparent about both. So we know yeah. when we can support each other. Hmm. Oh, that's really, really good. Um, and, and it's easy to see if you were to think about a team that is healthy and functioning how it should, how that would happen. And it's also easy to see how a leader who is not secure, who doesn't trust their people, um, or who's just kind of wants to be in control would really struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, this is, sure it's it's the both. seed of micromanaging, right? I mean, micromanaging tells us one of two things, if not both, right? What, right. The first thing um, in the negative sense could be someone's just insecure, right? And that's why mm -hmm. they want to get in there and show that they show that they know, okay? Um, that's kind of the worst case. However, what happens a lot of times is that is that promotions are based on skill, mm -hmm. right? So the person who's the best, quote, at what they do, oh, you're going to be promoted, right? That person suddenly is in charge of people. Well, no one tells that person that their job has now fundamentally changed, right? Yeah. Um, now they are in charge of empowering, they're in charge of inspiring, they're in charge of uh, helping their people grow. Uh, they their Their job is literally to make the team run without them. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they don't know that. Right. So what they do is they say, Oh, you're not doing that right. Do it this way. Okay. Cause all they're leaning on is their skills. This is why attributes are so, so important, uh, when promoting into leadership positions as well. Yeah. That makes total sense too. And you see that all the time. Like you take the top performing salesperson and put them in charge of a sales team and it's a completely different job right. description. Right. Um, and, but it happens all the time and it doesn't make any sense to me at all. It's like if you took Michael Jordan in the middle of his prime and made him the coach, right? right? Like that wouldn't make any sense and it'd be a detriment to the team overall. That's exactly um, right. And so, yeah, that, that makes total sense to me. Let, let's change gears for a second. And I want to talk about actually building a team mm -hmm. based on attributes, uh, hiring and, and those things. So, you know, you talked before about skills still being relevant. You know, they're not completely irrelevant, but attributes seem to outweigh those in most scenarios. So what's the balance there? How do you know how much weight to put on attributes, how much weight to put on skills? Yeah, uh, the short answer is I have no idea. <laughs> but I will say this, uh, talent, talent, in essence, is a dynamic synchronization of both attributes and skills. That's what talent is. Um, hmm. So you need both. I think teams, um, I think the team has to understand which ones are, are predominant in what they're doing. In a SEAL team, I'll tell you, in a SEAL team, attributes are more important than skills by far, okay? Now, we all need to know how to shoot and move and dive and jump and all that stuff. But when it comes to the, the conduct of combat, which is which is anything but certain, it's basically we are masters of uncertainty. Attributes mm -hmm. matter more than skills, okay? Mm -hmm. An athletic team, a football team, for example, not so much, right? Or a basketball team, right? Skills probably are more uh, important than attributes, okay? Because because the, the environment is much more defined and... Um, and much more contained and certain. Okay, no, everybody exa knows exactly what's going to happen on a basketball basketball court or a football field, and you know uh, the time frames, you know how long you have, and it's all it's all very well managed. Um, managed. Um, now, attributes still matter on the football field. I mean, Drew Brady or Drew Brees and Tom Brady are not who they are because they're just skilled, right? They have mm -hmm. attributes, or LeBron James on the basketball court, or Michael Jordan. They all have they have a, a combo of both, but um, but the the team and the environment that the teams typically in more often will dictate which needs to take predominance. 
uh, I think. And then so that so again, the 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 trick of the tricky part about all this is it becomes highly, highly subjective. Subjective to the individual, subjective to the team, subjective to the business, subjective in some cases to the environment. Um, so that's the best I can do <laughs> with that answer, I think. Sure. Well, and I want to tie that into something you were talking about earlier. People, you know, coming to you and saying, Hey, we've we put together this dream team. And even on something like a football field or a basketball court, I think you see that where you build a team based completely on skill, right? And all the time, we, we could point to tons of examples of teams that had the most amount of skill, but that did not translate into wins, right? Yeah. And so that can happen. But, but what else can happen if a team focuses too much on skills and you know, personality over the attributes? What's at stake? Well, so uh, there's a, a, a behavioral um, theorist. I, I, I think I, he has a nice long title, but his name was Russell Eckhoff, right? He's, he, he, he died s- several years ago, but he used to talk about systems. And what he, what he would say was that a system is never a sum of, their, of its parts, right? He would say, hey, listen, for example, if, if, if you and I were to say, okay, uh, let's take the best part of each best automobile, right? So for example, if the BMW for, for, for and I, there might be some auto people here, so forgive me, this is just an example, right? But perhaps the BMW has the best engine out there, okay? So you take an engine from a BMW, maybe the Mercedes has the best brakes, you, put the, you get the brakes from the Mercedes, the, 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 the um, chassis from a Jeep, the, the uh, steering system from a Ferrari, whatever, you, you say best parts from every best vehicle, and you put them all together, are you going to have a vehicle? No, you're going to have a piece of a pile of junk, right? Because they don't fit yeah. together. And he used to say right. that a system is never the sum of, of of its parts. A system is the is the product of the parts interaction, right? Mm. Uh, that's what a system is. That same same goes with a team. And I think one of the things that the that every dream team that's failed has failed to recognize is that human beings are dynamic, right? We have to, regardless of skill, skill doesn't tell us skills don't tell us how human beings are going to interact, right? Mm-hmm. Attributes do. And so That's attributes good. begin to define how we're going to actually interact with other human beings on a team. So to put together a team of interacting human beings without considering attributes is a recipe for disaster uh, because you don't know how they're going to interact together. And I think this is we've seen some dream teams, even in the athletic world, that fell apart. Why? They weren't interacting properly. You know, you got a mm. bunch of. Uh, I don't know whether, whether it's arrogance or ego or or whatever it is. You know, I don't want to uh, to to define or judge, but they weren't designed to interact together. A great example of this working positively actually is the Miracle on Ice story of the 1982 mm-hmm. hockey team winning the the gold. Right? If you look, if you watch that story, it's a great movie. Um, that coach put together a team based on people who could actually work together versus just right. raw best players. In fact, he took some people, some players who weren't on paper as good as other. He, 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 he denied great players and said, no, no, I'm going to take this person. And he did it because they could work together. And that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the movie Moneyball with Brad? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a great one too. Yeah. That's what it makes me think of. And I mean, yeah. that one's a little different because they were strapped for, for cash and, you know, trying to make the best of it, but were able to put together um, a winning combination. And it wasn't based on those with the best skill. It was something deeper than that. And so, yeah, right. yeah I love that. Well, you know, your book, The Attributes, you have a lot of attributes. There's a lot of different uh, ones there, but you've divided them up into these five different categories. Um, and they are grit, mental acuity, drive, leadership, and team ability, which is a word that I think I'm a little jealous of. Um, <laughs> but can you give just kind of a brief overview of those five general categories? 
I sure can. Yeah. So uh, it was, and it was fun. This is one of the things you discover, or one of the examples of discovering as you write, uh, because I had never thought of them in these categories, and they just, as I wrote about them, they seemed to begin to clump that way, which was, hmm. which is cool. First category is grit. What makes up grit? You know, um, many people think of grit as an attribute, but in fact, it's not. It's actually a combination of things that make up grit. Hmm. And so, and I know Angela Duckworth wrote a great book on grit, and she says pretty much the same thing. It's a bunch of things. I was focused on okay, what are the attributes that make up grit? So those are courage, uh, perseverance, adaptability, and resilience. Those four things together begin to speak to grit. And grit is really this idea that you can push through. All right? you, can, you can, however hard, you can just get through, okay? And it's hard and it's gritty and it's dirty and it's muddy and it's tough, but you can get through. Not necessarily a, a long-term thing, right? I would say that when you talk about long-term goals and outcomes, we're, get, we're getting more into the drive category. This is about like more little bit more shorter term. You know, this is pushing through the, the chemotherapy every day for a cancer patient. This is pushing through hell week, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. during SEAL training, a student pushing through final exam week, right? That's grit. Mm -hmm. An entrepreneur kind of kind of gutting it out, you know, um, on a daily basis. Um, mm -hmm. So that's grit. Mental acuity uh, speaks to just the way our brains process and absorb the world. Uh, and I saw this really quite viscerally when I was running my SEAL training. Um, and I'd see it when guys were doing uh, an exercise we call CQP, co close quarter or CQC, co close quarter combat, right? For, mm -hmm. for your listeners, this is um, just the the act of going into a building and clearing rooms, right? Getting mm -hmm. it clear so you can either get to a target or get to a hostage or secure the building, right? It's a very, very fast, dynamic dangerous evolution and mm -hmm. mental acuity comes into play. And those are situational awareness, compartmentalization, task switching, and learnability. Uh, mm -hmm. How can we take in information, situational awareness, uh, process that and, and decide what to ignore and what to focus, compartmentalization. Um, once this, as the situation changes, how effectively can we switch between contexts? That's task switching. And then as that's all happening, how fast are we learning and absorbing it into our system? So that's mm -hmm. one ability. Mm -hmm. So those are four uh, important ones um, in kind of these fast environments. Um, drive, uh, again, so now drive is now uh, the ability to kind of make and, uh, and move through and achieve longer term objectives and longer term mm -hmm. goals. Okay. Um, and those are self-efficacy, uh, discipline, open-mindedness, cunning, and narcissism. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that's a pejorative. We can talk about that in a sec, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's a driver. Um, leadership. So I I, I kind of try to say leadership is not a behavior. It's not a position. It's a behavior. Right. Um, you cannot self designate as a leader. You can't say I'm a leader. That's that's like calling yourself handsome or you know <laughs> or or funny. I mean you can't yeah. do it. Other people decide. Right. So. So um, you can be in charge, but you can't conflate being in charge with being a leader. So just because mm -hmm. you're in charge doesn't mean people think of you as a leader. And we, we've all experienced people who are in charge or like that, yeah. that guy is not a leader or gal is not a leader. Okay. The way we are, the way we are designated leaders by others is through our behavior. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the five attributes I have in the leadership uh, category encourage that behavior. So those are empathy, selflessness, authenticity, decisiveness and accountability. Um, um, and then there's team ability. Team ability, I don't know where that, that word came from. I, I took it from the teams because we used it, we use it in the teams. Um, but I don't know if it's actually a word, but it really is, it's the ability, it's the, it describes the ability to work on a team with others. All right? right, and again, just like leadership, you don't get to call yourself a great teammate. Your other, your teammates call you a great teammate. They, des they designate, so that's through behavior. And those four behaviors, those four attributes that encourage that behavior are integrity, conscientiousness, humility, and humor. 
So that was a breakdown of the five categories. Obviously, we're, you, people might notice out of 25, we're three short. Um, if you did the quick math, I talk about three others, which I call the others. And we could talk about that uh, later if we want to. But those are kind of, they didn't fit as well into those categories, which is why I put them uh, put them in, in a different chapter and just talked about them separately. Sure, sure. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't go back to that whole narcissism <laughs> thing. Uh, are you telling people to hire narcissists? No, uh, <laughs> I'm not. Narcissism, and well, so narcissistic personality disorder, a, uh, a, a, a dangerous disorder, okay? The DSM-5, which is the psychology Bible, will lay this mm-hmm. out and lays out, I think, nine criteria. And if you have five or more, you, you considered having the disorder itself. Um, but when I looked at that and I read it, I looked at those nine things and I said, you know, okay, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't resonate with any of these that much. But there are parts of each one that I can can be guilty of have having done, you know, having thought, right? So I said, what is where does that place me in this narcissism scale? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of I dialed it back a little further and I asked myself, well, why did I become a Navy SEAL? And I think about why my friends, when they talked about why they became a Navy SEAL, I mean, ultimately we're definitely patriots and we definitely love our country and we wanted to serve, right? But ultimately, we also wanted to be badasses and we wanted to see <laughs> if we could do something that very few people could do, right? Um and what I discovered is that that's a little bit of narcissism in there. And mm-hmm. so so the neurology began to map on this properly because when we're infants and we're getting paid attention to by our parents, um, we're getting we're getting doses uh, of um, dopamine, which is a feel good chemical. Mm-hmm. We're getting doses of serotonin, which is a kind of a bonding kind of protection safety chemical. Kind of you feel that mm-hmm. kind of safety. Um, and then we're getting doses of oxytocin, which is the hormone, you know, the kind of the trust love hormone, right? That feels really good. Every human being out there wants to, at some point in their lives, um, be admired, be adored, you know, feel loved, stand out a little bit to another, whether it's, whether it's a rock star and it's millions of fans, or that's just with your spouse, right? We all want to feel that. Um, so narcissism is a very human condition. And I think when, you know, when you start thinking about it in terms of long-term goals and objectives, I mean, how are you, how is, how is anybody supposed to achieve an audacious goal, for example, if there's not a little bit of narcissism, you know, the rock star, you know, would dream about being a rock star that not, not, not every singer or rock star or actor is a narcissist is a narcissist, right? They just had that goal and it drove them. Um, not every Navy SEAL is a narcissist, right? We just had that goal and it drove them. So entrepreneurs the same way. So I think it just, it's a, it's a reminder that we are all human and, um, and because we're all human, we're all subject to some of this stuff and to capitalize on it effectively and efficiently is actually powerful. Now, the caveat is that it can be dangerous, right? You know, too much narcissism can be dangerous. And the problem with narcissism is that it's like, uh, you, you can't see it in yourself. It's like, a, it's like a vampire staring in the mirror. Um, uh, and, and so because you can't see it in yourself, you have to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that tell you the truth, that love you enough, right. that tell you the truth, tell you when you're getting out, getting out, out a little bit over your skis and ground you really you need you need grounding wires you need to surround yourself mm. with grounding wires so that you don't tip over the edge um so if you're if you are someone who actively does that and actively seeks people who do that for you you can probably be you can be pretty confident you're not a narcissist mm. um if you surround yourself with sycophants <laughs> you know um unfortunately that you, you might be you might have the disorder <laughs> or you might yeah. be too high on the scale so yeah well that's so good um you know you've got these five categories plus the others you've got a lot of different attributes here so is there a ranking to these are some more important than others can you get by with like without some do you have to have them all what does that look like 
So I would say that uh, as individuals, there's no ranking. There's no judgment. We have what we have. Um, there's no, there's nothing, um, there's nothing to judge. I mean, we are who we are. It's like, it's like me judging myself because I have, you know, brown hair. I mean, that's, it's ridiculous. So, so we can't judge who we are. The, the times inside of which we can begin to judge the importance of attributes are when we start talking about teams. Okay. Because every team, every organization, every collective group that's doing something will have a different set of attributes that's required to do that job effectively. So for example, the, the list of attributes that it takes to be a great Navy SEAL and on a SEAL team is going to be different than that list. It, it takes to be a great nurse or, mm. uh, or a great sales team or an athletic team, right? So mm. those, so those lists become different. The importance, the, the important levels. So for example, um, you know, the, a comedian, um, probably doesn't need a lot of empathy. Okay. I mean, it's hard mm. to find the funny at a funeral if you have too much empathy, right? Mm. Um, a nurse probably does, you know, a nurse needs mm. a lot of empathy, right? So this is, you know, you could start, you could start to relate this into the service, um, community as well. The Navy SEAL, doesn't require a lot of empathy. We need some, right? And those who have don't have any are dangerous, right? So, but we need some. Right. But our levels don't need to be that high. I would offer that a police officer needs to have a lot more empathy than a Navy SEAL, right? Because mm. a police officer, the job of a police officer requires a level of interaction with the with the populace that uh, the job of a Navy SEAL doesn't. So, so you can begin to rank and rate the attributes based on what you need for a team. Um, but I would never rank and rate it uh, based on what we have as individuals. So, mm. yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. So, how can leaders recognize these attributes in in their team members or even in potential team members? What does that look like? Well, unfortunately, it looks like stress, challenge, and uncertainty. <laughs> you know, so uh, so I would I would encourage leaders to look at their teams and and gauge the gauge performance when times are rough. COVID might be a great example inside of which. Um, leaders can look at how their team members uh, performed. Uh, but first, the, the very first thing that any team leader um, has to do, or business leader, or whatever it is, uh, has to do is figure out what attributes they need. What attributes are they looking for? Because what you, what you, what you don't want to do is inadvertently judge someone and their levels of attributes based on uh, invalid criteria, right? I could, I could take a bunch of accountants out to the surf zone in Southern California and throw them in there and, and freeze them for a couple hours like they do SEAL training. Um, it wouldn't tell me how good they are at accounting or how good right. they are when things in the accounting world go south, right? So so the leader's first responsibility is to figure out what attributes are required for the team, okay? I would encourage mm. every leader to do that as a group with the team. Don't do it on their own, all right? Because mm. it's, a group, it's a group effort. The leader might not know uh, what it takes for the person on the front line in terms of attributes to do their job, right? So depending on the team and the size of the team, I would definitely encourage leaders to figure out that list together as a team. Um, and then start looking at situations where that are a little bit more s stressful and challenging. Uh, they could either they could be natural, they could just come on, or, or you could you could encourage them. This is what what a, a great offsite you know could do. An offsite could provide right. some environments. I you know these where they the the, uh, um, the scare rooms are they uh, the, are they called the escape rooms? Escape rooms. There you go. That's yeah, what I was thinking rooms. about. Yeah. Yeah, escape rooms. That might be a great way for teams to figure out how people uh, operate and stress, right? And again, you do it in a, in a but the, but the person who gets in that escape room and suddenly starts barking orders and doing that, that might not show you. You know, that might not show leadership, but that might show arrogance. That might show, or you see someone who doesn't talk, right? Ever so. So that's the way you could do that with your current team. Um, the cool thing is once you outline for your current team, it makes it a lot easier to start looking for the right hires when you're bringing on teammates. The, mm -hmm. the trick will be as you, as you do that, that selection and hiring process, 
you create environments um, or scenarios or even um, or even conversations that allow you to start to get a sense of that applicant's attributes, not just their skills. Um, and that could be done in, I mean, again, it's be, it becomes very subjective because, you know, it's hard, it would be hard for, I've done, you know, I do some, I do consulting for, for uh, companies and I help them do this. And the process involves me helping them figure out the stuff for them, <laughs> you know, because, right. because it really is, it's really, it has to be subjective. You know, I can certainly throw in a bunch of seal stuff, but it's not going to be applicable. So, uh, so those are some of the ways that people can start thinking about that. Mm. I love that. And I was thinking of the escape rooms whenever you were getting ready to bring them up, because there's some teams that I work with that, uh, have done that. And, and it's funny, this conversation just ties right into that because they were talking about how they were watching people and seeing what they did and how they acted and responded to different things. And, and yeah, it's exactly um, what you're saying. So, yeah. um, you know, you talk about optimal perform performance and um, high performing teams. You brought that up earlier. What does that actually mean for a team to be high performing, to have optimal performance? Yeah. Um, and how does that connect to the attributes? Well, um, when I was, as I as I got out of the Navy and I began to speak to people, uh, I was getting a lot of questions about how to, you know, how to perform at one's peak, right? How to be, you know, peak performance is really very much a buzzword right now for the for the business community. Um, and everybody's kind of thinking about, okay, how can we how can we perform at our peak as much as possible or all the time? Um, I was never comfortable with that word because it's not what SEALs do hmm. um, or spec operators or I would say any first responders, to be honest with you. Um, hmm. The um, peak is simply an apex and it's an apex from which you can only come down. Peak has to be prepared for, planned for, scheduled hmm. and and targeted, right? So the, the pro football player designs his entire week so that he may peak for three hours on Sunday, okay? Okay. Hmm. Um, we can plan a peak, right? We can say, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. I want to be at my peak when I'm doing the podcast. I'm going to do a presentation for my my boss. Uh, I want to be at peak when I do that. That's, that's fine. Um, but optimal performance is different. Optimal performance implies that we um, are doing the very best that we can in the moment, whatever the best might look like, okay? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best might look like peak, might look like flow states and all that stuff. Oftentimes, the best is just, hey, I'm just going step by step. I'm just, gr I'm, I'm grunting it out, okay? I'm doing the best I can just by taking a step forward, okay? This is me in Hell Week, right? I remember, I, you know, in Hell Week, I was freezing in the surf zone. There was nothing peak about my performance. I can name you know, hundreds of thousands of times in my SEAL career, there was nothing peak about my performance or my teammates' performance. We were just doing the best we could, and it was dirty, mm -hmm. and it was ugly, and it was muddy, okay? This is more realistic for human uh, humans on a daily basis because, uh, because peak... Although we should we should strive to be there when we want to be there, um, the rest of the time, you know, you just need to modulate. You need to say, "What's the very best I can do?" And that's okay, you know. So, uh, so the so optimal performance implies just understanding that the do, do the best you can in the moment. Sometimes that best is dirty, ugly, muddy, and doesn't really feel good. But at least mm -hmm. you're moving forward. At least you're taking a step. Or at least you're doing something that is your best in the moment. And I think that's mm -hmm. the most important lesson to come out of that. Mm. Uh, that's good. I like that because it's not every moment is a peak moment, right? No, in fact, no. most, the majority are not. Right? No, the majority are not. Yeah. 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 That's good. Well, so we talked a little bit about, you know, hiring and using the attributes there. What are other ways that business owners, team leaders uh, can and should use the attributes? 
Um, I would say, well, first of all, you know, get a sense of the attributes, right? Because because you have to because a lot of times it's so often that attributes are conflated with skills, okay? Um, and people think of skills as attributes, and that's not the case. Um, the 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 back of the envelope test really to compare to to just to, to to decipher whether or not something is an attribute or a skill is is can it be taught? Um, and um, and uh, or or can can I can uh, can another teach me? Can I, can I teach it or can another teach me? Okay. Because for example, if you, Ryan, if you said, Hey, I'm, I'm not a very patient person. I want to be more patient. I couldn't sit down and teach you a class on patience. That wouldn't work. I couldn't sit, right. sit down and teach you a class on humility. It wouldn't work. Um, so, so, so we have to call away skills. Um, so understand the difference. So learning about the attributes helps you understand the difference. It helps you understand, uh, understand how to call away the 25 I go over in the book are not all the attributes that exist, right? I just try to pick the, the 25 that I felt were so were most important in optimal performance, but, but there's a lot out there. And so, so I would, I would encourage people to learn about the attributes. Um, I, I kind of take each one in the book and I define it into, in, into kind of more, more detail. So, so people can understand differences because there's nuances in each one. Um, and then when they do that, they can start looking at that and applying it to their teams and businesses and saying, okay, are we, are we in it for the long game? Okay. I will concede that, that teams or even businesses that have short sprints. Okay. Skills might all, might be all you need. Okay. Because in a short sprint, not much can go wrong. Okay. So you can, you can probably get away with just skills. So this is going to be the decision of, of a, of a team leader, or a business, right? Very short sprints. You can probably get away with mostly just skills. Um, but if you're thinking about the long game, and if you think about kind of uh, surviving and not only surviving, but thriving, uh, you need to think about attributes. Uh, and I think that's where probably most businesses sit in terms of their uh, their desires. Yeah. Um, and then do you have, I think I remember seeing this somewhere, do you have some sort of assessment for the attributes? Yeah. What is so, that? And what is that for? So, uh, so we have an assessment on the website. It's, you can take it for free and you can basically uh, go and... Uh, take an assessment for grit, take an assessment for mental acuity, take assessment for drive, and it'll give you a, a readout on where you stand for each of the attributes. So you might be a, a level uh, seven on task switching, for example, okay, based on questions. Now, what we did for this assessment to create it was we basically designed questions that caused the that caused the, the person, the taker to really think it's, a, you know, it's hard to do scenarios, because you can't, you can't design a scenario that that's ubiquitous um, hmm. to everybody because they're subjective. But but the idea is to, to answer the questions, think about the questions, to answer the questions. We threw these questions out to about a thousand people around the around the globe and mm -hmm. got a bunch of data back. So so if you go and take the assessment online, know that um, your number, your level of say compartmentalization is as compared to a thousand people. So that's mm -hmm. just really a snapshot, okay? Because the 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 user will then need to say, okay, based on that number I'm getting. And based on what I think about my experiences, especially the times of challenge and stress, how does that, how does it line up for me? And then someone can say, Hey, I'm, I am admittedly a little lower on this one and I'm higher on this one. I'm, I'm really happy. I'm higher on this one. I'm, I'm pretty good there. I'm lower on this one. And you know what, I'm going to do some active work to develop that. And we can do that. And that's, that's um, encouraging. So we have those three right now we're designing uh, leadership and team ability assessments. However, those are going to be different because those are going to have to be 360 assessments. Just like I said, you don't get to call yourself right. a leader or a teammate, a great team. So, so we're gonna have to go out to people. Uh, it'll be designed. So you, you go out to people and they tell you, okay, yeah, I've, you, you, you seem empathetic to me and you seem selfless or you seem humble, things like that. So, right. uh, so yeah, I would encourage people to go to the website and uh, take that um, and then get the book and real and read on how, 
how those how you know what the what each one means kind of in detail because that'll also help people kind of codify it in their head and say okay i can see this this either applies to me or it doesn't or i can see how i'm a little slower in this or not and again there's no judgment there it's just it's just discovery yeah well, obviously, you know, you've got the book um, and we'll put a link in the show notes to that, that people can just go and buy that directly. Uh, but what are other ways that people can connect with you and the work that you're doing and uh, just find out more? Yeah, well, best place is the website, theattributes.com. And then, of course, I have, I'm on um, I'm on Instagram. So definitely encourage people to follow me on Instagram. I have my own handle, Rich underscore Davini. Um, and then there's an attributes uh, one as well. We're on Facebook um, and we're on LinkedIn as well. So, so all those places we're, we're putting, we're, uh, we, if you go to the website, you can sign up for a new uh, newsletter. We'll be getting that out once a month or so. We don't want to spam people, but once a month uh, newsletter, we'll also be informing people of, of new stuff that's coming or podcasts or interviews or, or other interesting things. So, uh, so I'd love for people to come visit and, uh, and, you know, stay a while. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I personally, I plan on it, so I'll, <laughs> I'll be there. Um, but again, just thanks so much for taking the time to talk about the book and about your experiences and all that. I think, uh, this is incredibly interesting and I think will be very valuable for a lot of people listening. Any just closing thoughts from you as we kind of land the plane here? Um, I would, I, you know, I've, I've always been fascinated with human potential and how we as human beings have gone from cave dwellers to space explorers in, in a relatively, from an evolutionary span, uh, standpoint, short amount of time, right? And it's because we've, we're designed to explore our, our edges, you know, and walk out to our edge, even though it's uncomfortable and painful to do so. And then when we get to that edge, we realize, oh, and then we look at the next edge and we walk out to that one. So, um, so I think I would encourage people to, start thinking about life in terms of how, what are my edges and can I walk out to that? And, and the first part of that, uh, of, the, of the, the ability to do that is understanding oneself. And so I think it's important to understand how we're showing up to the game. What do we bring to the table so that as we're walking out to these edges and we're in discomfort, sometimes, you know, deliberately, we can say, okay, I can see, you know, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder on this one because I know I'm a little bit shorter on that one. Nothing wrong with it. I just know I need to work a little harder. So I just encourage people to do that because I think that we're, we're we have a, uh, we have great, great potential and that excites me. Yeah. Well, uh, Rich Devaney, the book is the attributes again, that's in the show notes as well as all the other places you can connect with him and his work. And we just highly encourage you guys to do that. Rich, thanks again for being on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to share this with people. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are currently using. If you think today's content might be useful for someone you know, please consider sharing it with them. Just a reminder that the Invincible Teams podcast is brought to you by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork training and consulting to help you eliminate office drama and turnover and help you get the most out of your team. Thanks again for listening, and like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential, and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.